Hello and welcome to episode 86 of the Ego Chop Podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Justin Minkowski and on today's episode, we are talking about a ton of rumors because while we are away, uh, while we were away, nothing really happened in the CDL. A lot of players are officially or publicly without teams. They have not signed contracts privately. That might not be the case, but at the moment, most of the CDL are not under contract as far as we know. And uh, that's been all right for us. We got to enjoy our holiday weekends. Um, you know, happy belated 4th of July to anybody that is American, I guess. Um, Bink took quite a bit of time off from work, which I, I'm sure was quite nice for him. Uh, I've This is the first full work week I've had in like a a solid month because of the holidays and the days off I've had. So it feels very weird, but we're back into it. We're back here with the 86th episode of the Ego Chop podcast. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about a ton of rumors around the CDL and some stuff that may touch on the CDL and Call of Duty in general. But before we get to any of that, how are you doing, Bink? I'm doing all right. I I think, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. We, we usually, in the past, haven't really talked too much about rumors and stuff, but right now there really isn't much else to talk about, so we're going to try to give you guys everything that we've at least heard and, you know, what's going on in the community, keep everybody as up-to-date as possible, and then, obviously, once stuff officially starts getting announced, pen gets put to paper, all that good stuff, uh, you, you know where to find us, and we'll be right here ready to talk about it. I want to start because there are a few ways we could start off this and I wasn't exactly sure because there were there was big news like business legal news that happened today that could and likely will involve Call of Duty in some manner over the next year or two but I think a lot of the people that come to this podcast probably don't care nearly as much about that as they do about what's happening in roster mania what what might be happening and I think the best place to start would be with Atlanta phase and optic Texas because these two teams seem to be linked in in the in roster mania not because they are trading players or engaged in a deal with each other but it seems at least from the rumors and reports that we've heard that Draza the LA thieves player 2022 world champion he is reportedly heading to phase and this was after some you know several days even maybe a few weeks I, obviously it it all kind of blends together in the summer but it seemed like there was a lot of smoke around the draza to optic um camp i guess it, it seemed to be a prevailing theory that draza and pred would be going to optic to join shotzi and dashi but now it seems that draza is actually going to replace slasher in the atlanta phase roster and that leaves, uh, presumably leaves a spot open next to Pred, Dashi, and Shotzi, and Optic. And that might end up being filled by Draza's LAT teammate, Kenny. So whichever way you want to take this first, if you want to talk about Draza, Kenny, Pred, etc., uh, go for it. But this Atlanta phase Optic Texas stuff seems to be the most interesting thing for me in roster mania so far. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing, since obviously none of this is confirmed, the, the biggest question mark for me is if both of these moves come to fruition, where does that leave LAT? Um, I believe I said it on the last episode, because, yeah, it was after Octane retired. It's kind of like 
okay, you know, Octane retired. We got to build around Kenny because, you know, I brought it up the Hall of Fame for 100 Thieves as an organization. The three founding members of it are, are Kenny, Octane, and Someday from the League of Legends team. Um, so, you know, you lose one of your Hall of Fame franchise cornerstones. There were already reports of uh, uh, Envoy leaving. Um, so it seemed like the, the most logical thing would be for Hunter Thieves to try to lock up Kenny and build around him. But um, if these moves happen <clears throat> and, and Kenny goes to Optic, Draza goes to Atlanta, that leaves a huge question mark around LAT and, and what they're going to do. Um, <clears throat> but I think, you know, for each of these moves individually, I, I think they make both teams just, you know, that much better. Um, I, I think Draza to Atlanta phase, if you told me that earlier in the season or even last year when Draza and the Tiny Terrors and FaZe were beefing on Twitter and stuff like that, if you told me they'd be teaming up and joining forces, I probably wouldn't have believed you. But uh, end of the day, a lot of these guys just want to win, and we know that's a fact for the, the Atlanta FaZe guys. So if they think Draza is going to give them the best chance to win again, um, they can probably find a way to put the pass behind them and, and move forward. So I think... Um, um, for the same reason as Draza, I spoke about LAT's roster construction when they originally signed the four-man team of Octane, Envoy, Draza, and Kenny, or, you know, we talked about it during the Vanguard season and stuff when they were doing role switches and stuff. Uh, Draza and Kenny are both very flexible players, no, no pun intended for the flex role, um, but, you know, when we don't know what the actual meta of the upcoming game is going to be, players like that can be almost invaluable. Um, if it's a three-sub game, you, you can have Draza running a sub alongside uh, Simp and Abizi, although you could have uh, Cell running a sub as well. But um, just for the sake of the example here, you know, same thing. If, if Kenny is playing alongside Pred, uh, Shotzi and Dashi, as potentially is happening based on rumors. Um, Kenny could be a third sub and, you know, run alongside uh, Shotzi and Pred. And at the same point, if it's a 2AR game, you, you easily just have Draza and Kenny respectively running that second AR for um, your each of these two teams. So I think they, they are really just, they're, they're solid players, obviously world champions last year. Um, and they have that sort of, I, I don't think it's necessarily an intangible, but it's just, it, it's the, the, the flexibility that is the best way to describe it to um, just fit into whatever the meta is needed. And, you know, going back to Vanguard, we saw um, Kenny was on that second AR for a lot of the beginning of the season. They switched Kenny to... Um, the sub and they LAT goes back to back wins the world championship. So you know they they have the potential to um, both play these the, this crucial role and and be that important cog in, in a potential championship winning lineup. So um, I would be excited if both of these moves uh, did come to fruition. It would um, definitely be really juicy storyline. I think to talk to Draza and the Phase guys about how they are. Um, able to put the pass behind them and, and that sort of thing, just, you know, actually hearing what they have to say about that. Um, and then for Optic, I, I just think, you know, Kenny would be a really solid addition um, in, in terms of potential leadership too. I, I don't, you know, he, he's not necessarily like the most veteran player in the league, but he's a pretty vocal player, it seems like. And, um, 
that that could be valuable to a team like this potential optic roster that has just a ton of superstar slaying uh potential and then you know if you have like uh, the the leadership of kenny who is you know it's not like like having the leadership of aches where that might you know might come alongside with a lower kd towards the end of aches career um but with kenny you know he's still bringing the firepower while you know corralling the troops and that sort of thing so um I, I think it obviously would be interesting to see how it all works out, but just on paper and in my head, I think these are both two solid moves um, if they come to fruition. Yeah, it's really difficult to rate roster changes in the offseason before a game is even... We, we haven't even seen the teaser, so there's really no idea of how whatever the next Call of Duty game is, if there is a next Call of Duty game for this next CDL season... Uh, we, you know, there's been no confirmation about anything regarding that or when it will be. And that to me makes these roster changes so precarious because if, if you try to, I guess, get a, a meta down or like a, a format down for your team, like, oh, we have these specific roles, that's probably not going to work out as well as you think it would because it, sure, it's nice to have some kind of idea of okay this player does this that player does that but in general you kind of have to be flexible like you said flexibility becomes invaluable to so many of these teams and that's why when we were talking last about who we thought phase could pick up or should pick up i put illy's hat in there just because i'm thinking okay he could he is flexible in that way that he could be a sub he could uh, be an AR and I do think that this is probably the right idea for FaZe not to go for a, a not a statue AR because I think that's limiting and kind of putting in a box what Octane and Slasher are but the idea of that like they could really only run AR like that's what they're known for I think Celium has proven time and time again that he is adept at running AR and if they need him to be the main AR of their team he can do that so there's no reason to go and get a guy that is that's their role of a main ar as for optic it's an interesting pickup because kenny had a pretty subpar season for his standards obviously he's been one of the best players i think in the world for three four years now since world war ii he was incredible in his rookie season i believe that was his you know rookie season you know whatever that is in cwl but um, I think it's it's impressive that they could make this roster, uh, bringing Kenny and Pred. Obviously, Pred by himself is a is a massive pickup, and someone that they should and likely will end up going with. Uh, and there's just been a lot of rumors about who that fourth player will be, whether it would be Draza, whether it would be Kenny, or whether it would be Sib. And I think. Personally, I would go with Sib just because there's so much chemistry between Sib and Pred. And the way I think of it is you're essentially integrating three teams when you bring in Kenny and Pred into the roster because you're bringing in the Optic uh, team of Shotzi and Dashi. And then you have Pred who's coming from Seattle, a different system, obviously different expectations or different results in Seattle. And then you're bringing in Kenny who was a part of LAT who's had a consistent lineup teammates 
uh, you know, trio of teammates these past two years. And it's, I just think it's, it's harder to integrate three teams where if you picked up Sib and Pred, you'd only be integrating two, which is optic and Seattle. And I would probably go with Sib over Kenny just by himself, because I think the ceiling for Sib is so high, but I also understand that it's, it might not be optics choice because there's there's some other stuff that we probably should talk about as well um and i think this leads into it well uh when we started roster mania or when we kind of kicked off this post champs period we both said okay it's pretty much a given that new york's not going to make a roster change um i think we did get it wrong in that we didn't think about 2019 united was a team that actually did break up. Uh, obviously, it was a unique situation because of the uh, switch to the CDL. But 2019, United split up into many different parts, and those players went different ways um, to phase um, Dallas Empire in Florida and Chicago. But it's been very rare in the past that a world champion team breaks up before the next event happens. And it appears that it's not going to be a complete breakup where everybody goes to different teams but reportedly and this is according to the rotation on twitter it appears that priesta's contract negotiations with the new york subliners have hit rocks like the titanic or something it looks really shaky uh in that regard and it it might be ending up with Priesta not being a part of the subliners roster next season, which seems unfathomable because we all assumed, as any logical person would, that the world champions would stick. They would figure out whatever needs to be figured out in terms of contracts, and they would be back together for the next game because they just won a world championship, and they're at the very top. They were the only team to win multiple events this year, and they've won three. So they won half of the events this season, and it appears that they might not be back together. So what's your reaction about that, that Priesta reportedly uh, may not be back in the subliner starting roster? Yeah, it's incredibly surprising to me. Um, obviously, it's hard to uh, judge the situation you know, without knowing the actual numbers, but whenever it's a contract dispute, um, you know, the, this, the player side, just looking at it from... Uh, professional sports is a little hard because we we have a lot of those numbers actually reported, and you'll you'll get reports like, um, you know, like Tom Brady and Patriots aren't even close on a, a deal or something like that, and they'll you know they'll throw out ballpark numbers and stuff. We don't really have that in the CDL, um, so it's really tough to know. All we really know is that minimum salary is what now. I think it got bumped up to fifty eight thousand now something like that it was 55 something like that yeah. um and I, I think it reportedly got bumped up again regardless it's below sixty thousand. um and you know priesta didn't have the best season previously the year before here with uh the rocker um so it's possible he was on a deal somewhat close to the minimum and was asking for a pretty big raise after like you said winning three tournaments including the world championship um but it's also possible that he was just on you know a, a not close deal to the minimum and 
uh, wanted a slight bump and New York isn't looking to spend more and they think maybe they can get Sid for uh, less money than potentially what Priest is asking for. Again, it's, it's really hard to know without the numbers, but just from a player standpoint, it is really uh, interesting that this potentially could happen. And it's really kind of, you know, you got to feel for... Uh, New York fans that you know you, you come off the high of winning a championship and you don't even get a chance to see what the team is capable of doing uh, in the following game like you know there's so much talk about dynasties and stuff in, in Call of Duty esports and in esports as a whole uh, you know you just completely kill that narrative with a move like this I guess you know you could say like the core of New York if they go on to win a couple more events this year another world championship you could make the argument about is it a dynasty and whatnot because it's the same case with Cole EG back in Black Ops 2 and Ghost. Um, but nonetheless, just from Priestess' standpoint, it, it's a really uh, interesting situation. I would love to know more details. Probably, we probably never will. Um, but if we ever do get, you know, reports on the numbers or anything like that, I think it would be a little bit easier to give a fair assessment on whether it's actually a, uh, you know, a good or bad move from New York based on, you know, what, what they're offering, what Priesta wants, etc. Yeah, we we just have better reporting in traditional sports in general, and that makes us a lot more well-informed in traditional sports than in esports. Because in esports, especially, we'll just stick to competitive COD, like we have these reporters on Twitter that are obviously like, you know, giving us what we think is reliable reports, but... I think it's also easier in traditional sports because you literally have so many reporters. Like in the NBA, for example, you have Shams, you have Woj, you have Chris Haynes and Mark Stein, etc. And when all of these reporters are are reporting on a specific topic, something like, um, uh, let's say Bradley Beal getting traded to the Suns, or da what what is happening now is da Damian Lillard requesting a trade from the Portland Trailblazers to the Miami Heat. And we're seeing these reporters who have very specific sources, and some of them are kind of playing that into, okay, like this is what Portland's front office is saying. This is what Damian Lillard's camp is saying. This is what the Miami Heat are saying. So you get a clearer picture of what's going on, and you also get to know exactly who these reporters are kind of reporting on behalf of. Um, and kind of knowing their biases and that can give you a better idea of what's actually happening in, in the um, in the NBA, at least in terms of free agency or trades. We don't know any of that stuff when it comes to competitive COD. We don't know who the 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 reporters are talking to, really. Like we don't we, they could be GMs, they could be players, they could be coaches. We have like literally no idea and it's very hard to get a gauge of who is leaking this idea that Priest's contract negotiations are bad. Obviously, if I had to guess, it's somebody on Priest's side because there was that report that Priest was getting hoed in his contract negotiations, which is it's very, very funny to think that that is, uh, is a term that is being used in a report. But, uh, you know, obviously, because it was reported like that, that makes me think that it was somebody who was either a friend of Priesta's or it is Priesta or it's somebody, you know, close to him. And I think ultimately it's very hard to kind of know what's going on with this stuff. We have so little information about the salaries, about 
how long his contract was or what the terms that New York was offering. I, I guess this was a renegotiation of his contract, which that was reported that it wasn't just like, um, I don't know if his contract is up or if they had declined his option. Like there's so much unknown about his, his contract status and what's being offered and what's being, you know, kind of uh, put on the table on his side that it's very hard for me to give a straight answer of, okay, this is bad. Like what New York is doing is bad or what priest is asking for is, is stupid he could literally be just asking like i want a 3 year contract at the minimum that like that's a very reasonable thing that he could ask for like i want more security not necessarily more money but we have no idea he could be asking for $300,000 a year and it, it's all about the money for him i don't know um and that makes me think that when people take sides on this kind of stuff and like oh priest's agent's bad or new york is just like completely screwing over their team it's so hard for me to take one side or the other. It just seems like a really weird situation as a whole. But I will say that Sib is a, like, in terms of, like, in-game, Sib does appear to be an upgrade over Priesta. Whether that translates to the game as, as in results, that remains to be seen. Because we've seen teams kind of replace w what we consider glue guys. Guys that don't have great stats that are there to essentially pick up the slack or you know, they, they have to do what they have to do, essentially. Like, they're not going to pick up a ton of kills. They might not even get the most hill time, but somebody somebody has to be the lowest on the scoreboard. And in terms of uh, New York subliners this year, it was Priesta. And we've seen in the past where teams have replaced, you know, their quote-unquote worst player and with a, a much more talented player in theory, and it doesn't end up resulting in better, in better uh, placings. So I, I'm not really sure... Um, I do think that's really intriguing and it it's it makes me think like if op like is optic in play for Sib still or is it just a guarantee that Sib is now going to um go to New York and what happens with Priesta now if he is out of the subliners roster, what is kind of the 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 camps thinking or the like the subliners team, what are they thinking? Because they just won a world championship less than a month ago with this guy. And they were very dominant in doing so. They literally 5-0 Toronto in the grand finals of champs. And less than a month later, it appears that he might be out and Sib is in. And that's just, it's a very interesting story. I have no idea what to really think of it. I think more information would really help. Um, what else do you want to talk about? Did you have any else, uh, anything else as far as New York goes? Um, because we've we've talked about Kenny, we've talked about Pred, we've talked about Draza, and now Sib and Priesta. Um, I don't know if we mentioned, but Slasher officially left. I, I I don't know if we talked about it because we I know that I pitched the idea of Illy replacing Cl Slasher, but I don't know if that was something um, that we were talking about because Slasher had left officially. So briefly, we could talk about it um, and kind of the rumors that he is. Um, wasn't it like he's maybe I maybe I was dreaming these rumors or maybe I'm just getting him confused with RCDs at this point. But Slasher is a free agent. He's officially a free agent, um, an unrestricted free agent. So where do you see him going? Do you think there's a spot for him that stands out above the rest? I think I, I was talking and uh 
forgot that I muted my mic when I started hiccuping. But uh, <laughs> um, what I was going to say on the priesthood topic is I think there's I can't remember if it was uh, Jacob Hale or, or who, but I think somebody on Twitter um, reported that potentially Slasher and Priest are a team of two now. And uh, if if you are listening to this episode or if you came to this episode because you saw my GIF uh, for the tweet with the episode, I, I tweeted out a GIF from the old 100T Black Ops 4 squad that had Slasher and Priest on it. Um, if if Draza and Kenny are off of LAT and that's a you know a blank canvas for them there, I could see them potentially uh, reuniting Slasher and Priest on that squad and trying to build around them. Uh, potentially going after a couple young subs or or something along those lines and uh, building from there. So that that's something if that is possibly a team of two um, that I could see happening. But uh, just in terms of the New York thing, I think Civ on New York is really scary. And it, it um, from a talent perspective, it's you know we we talk about it all the time. There's only so many kills on the map. Um, but just having a, a talented player like Sib, and not not saying Priesta isn't talented because I th- I think very highly of him, um, but I think it opens up some possibilities. You know, one of the things that comes to mind is search and destroy and sniping. Um, we saw Skies having success with the sniper. I, I'm sure I, I'm pretty sure we've seen Hydro with the sniper at certain points, and even Kismet at some points in, in Vanguard. I feel like, um, but you know, Sib was pretty much the main sniper on that Seattle team. Was that out of necessity, or is that something? Uh, he wants to do and is that going to be something they have to figure out on New York between him and Skies or is it going to be you know who's just the better sniper on that particular game but um, it brings out a lot of um, interesting possibilities too and even if it's uh, sort of a a three sub meta um, I think Sib on a sub is just is super scary and you know he he's just a really talented slayer overall so um if they if new york is to you know decide to change i i think sib is uh one of those players where it, it might not necessarily be um well i don't think it would be a downgrade at all but um it, it might make it a little bit easier to stomach the the thought of not having not running back that championship winning squad um, because just because uh, Sib is so young, up and coming, and uh, potentially start for them to build around with Hydra even for uh, many many years to come. So um, exciting possibilities again, like you said. Though I wish we knew more, and I think well, this is a topic we'll probably come back to a couple times throughout the next couple months. Something we should mention that obviously is it's it's you know pretty clear by now, but Seattle is. You know, not they don't have anybody. Like we're talking about Sib and Pred, almost like foregone conclusions to going to other teams. And Seattle officially announced on July third that they had parted away with like pretty much every person involved with their CDL team. Uh Pred, Sib, Accuracy, and Mac, their uh starting roster all announced as unrestricted free agents. Head coach Sam Phoenix Spencer out. General Manager Revan, who had only spent a year there, out. S&D Coach Equip, out. And earlier, I think a week earlier, Gwen, who was their lone substitute for the CDL, he didn't uh, appear in the CDL, he spent the entire year in Challengers, he announced that he was an unrestricted free agent. So nobody's under contract for Seattle. That makes me think that there's so many possibilities for that team, for that franchise where they want to go next, because these last two years have been way better than 
they had the first two years, even though this even this past year was not um, very impressive until champs when you know they kind of turned it on. They made um, some big upsets and I believe got top four. But even even so, like they have, they seem to be in a good place or they were. And I think there have been rumors that our boy Rambo Ray could be heading to Seattle as a, a GM and coach, uh, which would be a really interesting um, decision. Um, and I would love to see what he can do because obviously I think the way that everything happened with him and Optic this past year and getting pushed out with Dashy coming back into the, the lineup, I think that's a really bad way. And you know, if it were me, it would leave a very sour taste in my mouth just the way everything happened and kind of the mudslinging that happened um, earlier in the year. And obviously he's not with optic anymore. Um, so I think it would be a really interesting kind of way for Seattle to rebuild after these very, uh, very strong two years. Um, but what do you say? What do you think about Rambo or the possibility of Seattle rebuilding now that pretty much their entire roster is gone? Yeah, I I would be super excited about the the prospect of Rambo like being that GM and just being given like the reins to say, hey, here go build a build the roster you want. Um, obviously it'd be probably a little more difficult than building a roster on Optic, but um, nonetheless, I think Rambo is just one of the most the one of the smartest minds in Call of Duty from a player, former player, former developer, former coach, all that. He he just he knows what he's doing in COD, so. Um, I'd be excited to see that roster. I think on the other side of the coin, though, it it is kind of interesting that Revan um, is departed or is departing from the team, just in the sense of he was signed to be the GM of a team that kept its roster from the previous year and the previous um, GM. So he technically didn't have to like make any moves as the general manager, and you know, are you could make the argument that the 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 biggest non-move was potentially not selling Pred the, Pred the Optic uh, this season and potentially making money for Seattle as opposed to just letting him walk in free agency. Um, but I, I don't think that would be a reason why Revan would be let go or anything. I think it's just like a clean slate sort of thing for Seattle and they're going to move forward. So um, I was interested to see how Seattle would uh, build a team with the mindset of thinking that Revan would stick around, but I think uh, Rambo would do a really good job at, at building a squad. I think Revan could too if he's given the opportunity elsewhere as well. Um, but I would be really excited to see what, what R Rambo Ray could do if that's uh, what ends up happening. Part of the reporting about Rambo was that he he might be leading a French-speaking team, and I thought that was interesting just because we don't see a lot of French speaking teams in general, not a lot of representation among, um, you know, like obviously France does not have any players aside from Hydra, uh, but he's playing with all North American players. Um, and then you have, there have been obviously a few, you know, Brezzi comes to mind, Whalers in the past, but I believe this was a roster that was supposed to be like Canadian French or French Canadian, excuse me. Um, which would be interesting. Obviously, Rambo, if you've ever heard him talk, he does have an accent, and that's because he is French-Canadian. And I don't know if... I'm trying to look up this report to see if uh, where I saw it. Um, but it would be an interesting idea just because there's just... 
like that's an unusual way to go about it um and i and it leads into another topic that i want to talk about because it was something that happened right after our last episode of the ego chat podcast but there was the report that the cdl and overwatch league teams might be forced to merge there were uh there were talks according to dixerto's jacob uh, hale among activision blizzard esports executives uh, they were discussing a mandate that would force teams to unify their brands which would mean that teams or owners that have teams in the cdl and owl they would be forced to merge those brands as one meaning that the Seattle Surge would have to merge in some way with the Vancouver Titans, who are the Overwatch League team. And that made me just think, would they be leaning into like this Canadian presence if they went with, uh, I think it is a, a Vancouver-based organization, um, the, the owners of the Seattle Surge. Obviously, uh, Vancouver is not anywhere near Quebec or Montreal, but it could just be the the Canadian connection could could happen. It, it's not, a, and it's definitely not a, a definitive thing with this uh, reported mandate. And it wasn't something that you know they were. Um, it was just kind of being discussed, not necessarily like leaning toward that decision. But I wanted to get your thoughts on that because we did talk briefly, or at least I ranted a little bit about the city-based uh, franchise model, I believe in the last episode or maybe two episodes ago. But the idea that it's kind of outdated, we're not in a position anymore at this point with the CDL to to really need the city-based uh, model. But what do you think about the possibility of these CDL and OWL teams being forced to merge and create one brand. I think that would cause more confusion potentially. Um, Justin, uh, it's tough to say. Um, so, so what I'm thinking right off the bat is it could cause confusion because you know you 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 know just from like us on a day to day job basis, uh, you could potentially write an article about the the LA Gorillas. Let's just say. Um, and if, if you don't have the game title in there right away, then like what LA Gorillas are you talking about? Are you talking about LA Gorillas in the CDL or are you talking about them in the OWL? Um, so I, I could see some confusion being caused there. You know, people on Twitter, maybe even like they're a fan of LAG in the CDL and they're, they're going to look up how their team did and they stumble upon OWL results and they're like, what, what the hell is this? So um, that's my gut reaction. I could see it working out potentially in terms of just like you know growing the fan base in the sense of you know potentially some owl fans would be interested in watching the cdl and vice versa just because of you know if they're a fan of those particular teams and they merge in that way or whatnot um but i i think like you said in the past you know the the geographical geolocation based system just hasn't seemed to pick up in esports like you know some of these big corporations thought it might and uh you know the the most popular teams aren't necessarily really associated with cities in particular you think about optic 
you have Optic Texas, but everybody thinks of them as Optic. You have Atlanta Phase, everybody thinks of them as Phase, and then even LAT. Um, you know, that's maybe one where like they're kind of associated with uh, Los Angeles more, just because that's really where they've been for most of the time since they've uh, been an actual organization, not counting the uh, original debut there in Black Ops Three with the uh, the prison jerseys. But um, you know, even at the end of the day, the the LAT franchises is a hundred thieves, and and those are like the three most popular teams, and um, they would obviously not have any real issues if the the league would switch away from geolocation, right? They would just go back to Optic Gaming Phase Clan and Hundred Thieves. Um, it would be interesting to see what would happen to some of these other teams, like you know, like Minnesota Rocker comes to mind. Like I think they've, I, we've talked about it before. They've done a really good job as an organization um, that wasn't previously in, in in wasn't previously in in, in esports, doing a good job of coming in and acclimating to the scene, and you know, having stuff like watch parties, uh, press press events, and and all that sort of stuff, trying to you know get the community behind them. So that would be interesting to see what that uh, what they would do from a brand perspective if it was to uh, you know move away from geolocation but I don't think that's something that would happen um, immediately. I, I think if that is the way the CDL decides to go, it might take like a full year to actually, um, you know, revert that process. And I, I don't know. It, it seems like it, it would be like, you know, almost admitting defeat if the CDL was to, you know, backtrack on that, right? So I, I, I just don't know if it would ever actually happen. What What bugs me about this report Obviously, great reporting by Jacob, but at the same time, what is the point? What? Why would you mandate they create one brand to unify under? They are almost all owned by esports organizations. Have them unify under that brand. The Seattle Surge and Vancouver Titans are owned by the organization that runs Luminosity. Luminosity has history in competitive Call of Duty. They had a very they had several good rosters. Octane was a part of one, Formal was a part of one. They've they've had they've won events. Why do we need to have the Vancouver Titans or why do we need the Seattle Surge? Just make it luminosity. It's really not that difficult. And I think Activision just makes it so much more difficult on themselves because I don't and if they if a team wants to keep their you know their uh, city-based franchise their name so if minnesota because it you know they're connected to the version one uh, esports organization that has like a valorant team etc if they want to just be the minnesota rocker because that's the brand that they built over the last four years and it's something it, obviously uh they're owned by the minnesota vikings owners they want to be close to minnesota or minneapolis they want to have that connection that's fine i personally don't care that's like completely up to them but i just think it's really dumb to force these teams and they they've laxed on it because in a previous or at the very beginning they were saying well these teams have to comp com uh, create completely new brands and then atlanta phase happened and then optic uh, la happened at the time and now Ch then chicago now texas they've been moving all around and then la thieves comes around and it's just like, what is the point of this? We're just at a, we're at a point now that we don't need it. We never probably needed it after the original format was scrapped, especially because then we're just, we're doing events like we used to where these organizations that are funding a team, 
they travel to a completely different location and they do an event there. Uh, many of the the cities that are quote unquote a part of the CDL, even though they're not really a part of the CDL, they have no representation. They don't have any events. New York couldn't like didn't even host an event this year. It's the biggest city in the United States. Didn't host an event. LA, one of the biggest cities in the United States, didn't host an event. So what's the point? We're just we're just wasting time that these other organizations like Optic Gaming, uh, FaZe Clan, 100 Thieves, Luminosity, um, I don't know which are, uh, what other brands that there are. Uh, NYXL, I think, is the overarching brand now of uh, of the uh, subliners team. So, like, these organizations could be building their brand in multiple different games under one brand that they don't have to kind of divide and conquer of, like, oh, we have this. We have the New York subliners. We have uh, the Excelsior. We have... Uh, I believe they used to call themselves and box. Like they were trying to create like five different brands. And I just don't think that ever made sense, but especially now. And, and we'll talk about it. Like even with this heretic stuff, like it just doesn't make sense. We're at a point where we we've moved past it and there's just, um, we, we don't need any of the city stuff. Yeah. I, I think, um, truthfully at the beginning of the inception of the CDL, the, initial idea of traveling to all these locations and, and playing like a world circuit or whatever there was definitely flaws in it and a, a lot of people brought that up at the time as well it was going to be a very hectic travel schedule for all the players and stuff you know like i, I remember clay like tweeting like oh i'm going to go to to london one week to play a match and then two days later i got to go all the way to uh you know la or, or something along those lines but I think from a, a basic con conceptual standpoint, it wasn't necessarily a terrible idea, but the COVID pandemic just absolutely killed any potential for that to actually come to fruition. And just since then, there's just been no recovery in the sense of needing a, you know, the geolocation aspect of it. And, you know, I, I look at the LCS and League of Legends esports as a whole, they, they have um, one of the most popular games in the world, and they have leagues in, in North America, Europe, Korea, and China are the biggest ones, and China has like an 18-team league with franchising, and none of those franchises have like Chinese locations, they're all just actual names, and they have sponsors like, you know, Billy Billy Gaming, and there's Edward Gaming, and there's Invictus Gaming, and stuff like that, LCS, you have Cloud9, Team Liquid, Dignitas, um, you know, LEC, you got Fnatic and G2. So it's a, there's no geolocation in those leagues. And those, you know, obviously there's been some issues with the LCS recently. Um, but, but League Esports as a whole has been um, pretty successful. And, you know, I think even with Valorant now too, there's, this is like the first year of, of the partnership program between Riot. That's, I don't think they're, they're calling it franchising, but it's essentially franchising without being called franchising. Um, they don't have any, you know, geolocation associated with, with their their teams in, in that as well so you know maybe that's just a different uh in terms of philosophy between riot and activision blizzard but um end of the day yeah i, I think we both see eye to eye here and then you know just that the, the concept uh 
at, at least, well, you might not agree with the, the, the thought of it having any potential uh, success, but I think from the, from the beginning, there, there was like a glimmer of hope that it, it could be something that panned out in terms of needing the, you know, the worldwide tour and teams being associated with cities, et cetera. But I think now it's been proven that that, that just isn't the case with esports and Call of Duty esports as a whole. I can't remember completely because it was almost four years ago, but I think I was in favor of the city or I wasn't not against, yeah, I, I was not against the, uh, the city based stuff just because I like traditional sports. I like the connection to the city or to the state that you're in, but we're like the, the COD stuff didn't work out in that way. And even, even after the pandemic, it's just proven that, or, you know, it's kind of proven that we don't have like a profitable way of doing this where teams are hosting events because if it was profitable for them, they would all do it. They would all jump at the opportunity to host these events and we'd have a bunch of these in-person LAN events in all the different cities. But that's obviously not the case because there's only been a handful of teams that are actually doing that on a consistent basis. And I just think we we could move past it. We can try to do something else and and hopefully make it a little more uh, profitable or a little more beneficial to the organizations that are already investing in it. And we don't delay the inevitable because I think inevitably, whether it's under the CDL or whether the CDL eventually dies and competitive COD has to pick up the pieces and do their own thing again, eventually we're going to just have organizations and we're going to completely bypass whatever the franchises are currently. I think we all kind of realize that at this point in time. Um, something I wanted to talk about though was kind of related to this um, and it's part of the many different question marks that we had heading into the uh, into the off season. One was about Minnesota, kind of what's happening with them, maybe a potential sale or merger. And then obviously they wiped out their team. Several content creators ended up leaving as well. Uh, and then we had, during the season, we had the LA Gorillas, what was going to happen with them. And we still have no idea what's going to happen with the Gorillas and the Guard. Uh, I saw that the Guard's Valorant team got promoted uh, to the uh, to Ascension or whatever, which is incredible. Uh, but that even calls into more questions about what's actually going to happen with them. And then one of the other questions was about the Florida Mutineers. And it actually wasn't that big of a question because we all assumed with a lot of certainty that the Mutineers were going to become the Miami Heretics. There was a report earlier this season that Heretics who has been uh, formerly a part of competitive call of duty fielding Spanish rosters that they were going to merge with the Florida mutineers and the team franchise was going to become the Miami heretics. It appears that that might not be the case. I, there's been very little reporting on it other than I think that the Florida mutineers trademarks are still active and that the heretics um, social media page that was supposedly going to be the Miami Heretics social media page, which didn't make any sense. They posted a broken heart. Um, I I don't know like what to make of this. Like I I think like the social media thing is the least important part of it. It's more of just kind of a 
a funny thing. Um, but the idea that this merger could fall apart seems like really crazy because it seems like such a certainty. What do you think? What, like, did you did you make anything of this situation about the heretics and and uh, the mutineers? Um, I just you know without knowing all the details and stuff, it would definitely be a little bit heartbreaking to not have the Vamos in the league after not having the Vamos in the league and potentially thinking we might have the Vamos in the league. No Vamos is a little heartbreaking. So, um, jokes aside, I I, I think it would have been really interesting to see them competing in the league just from in terms of what kind of fandom they would bring how it would affect viewership all that stuff that um a lot of people like to talk about but um at the end of the day if the, if the business side of things falls through we're, we're gonna have to see how things go from um that sort of you know where they go from here and if, if the mutineers stick around if they look for another partner to uh, you know, potentially maybe merge with or, or whatever. So uh, a lot of things that we, we still need the details for, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, we might get some more reports as some more certainty comes out around this sort of thing. But uh, going to be another situation that we're probably talking about this offseason in, in, in different variables at, at, at different times. So we'll have to see what happens. On a, uh, a quite sad note, we have Zero's retirement. Uh, July 7th, he announced via Twitter that he was retiring from professional Call of Duty. He posted on Twitter saying, I apologize to everyone that wanted me to keep going, but it's time I try something different. He expressed interest in becoming a coach or a general manager. Obviously, we've had a few retirements over the past few years, uh, including Octane's notable retirement at the beginning of the offseason. We've uh, kind of like, it sucks because... Zero is obviously one of the best EU players of all time, or at least you know one of the most accomplished. He was a part of that splice roster that won uh, playoffs, was it uh, in IW? And they were like the first European team to win like a North American event or something like that, or like a major North American event. Um, obviously, that's very notable. And this year we had our first European World Champion in Hydra. So like the the European scene, I, I don't know if you can really say that it's grown because it actually seems to be smaller than usual, but Zero is a part of like that class of like Bants and, you know, our boy Jerd. I always love Jerd, um, who is just not, not around anymore. And Marky B and Tommy and all these other players um, that kind of were, were at one time uh, and I think, uh, I have to mention Swanee because that feels like blasphemy not to. Uh, but a lot of these European players, um, or you know, specifically like UK, Irish, English players, um, they were kind of a legitimized European cod in a way. Uh, in North America, they became they they integrated with North American teams uh, and organizations. They became uh, champions at some point, and um, now we're seeing. You know, someone like Hydra, or if you looked at Toronto the last few years, to have like Insight and Kleenex and Cami and um, Hixie and all the guys that they've uh, kind of used over the past few years. It, it seems that, you know, Zero did a lot for European COD and Call of Duty in general. So, what are your thoughts on his retirement um, after kind of a, a few rough years for him in the CDL? 
Yeah, I, I think when, when I think of Zero, I really go back to that Splice team in IW. Like you said, they were really like the first team in mainstream Call of Duty history to win a uh, championship on North American soil as an EU squad. Um, and I just remember watching that event. I'm like sitting there as, you know, someone who was always rooting against the EU COD being like, I cannot believe an EU team just won in COD. COD is like NA's eSport, you know, especially you, you look at all these other eSports where, uh, you know, much more success is seen by European teams and, you know, in League of Legends, you got Korea and China and, um, you know, it's not to say Call of Duty is NA's eSport, but, you know, of any of, like, the major eSports, you, you could argue that Call of Duty um, has the most success in, in terms of having North American players. So um, that that's what it always comes back to for me with Zero. I, I, I feel like that was really just, like, a breaking breaking point for him and, and something that, um, you know, got his name out there. And then he was able to, you know, go on, like you said, and integrate into other teams. I remember him being on Red Reserve. Um, he was on that phase team in uh, Black Ops 4, I think, at the end of the season after, like, they didn't qualify for the Pro League and then they got a spot back from Red Reserve or whatever. Um, and then he had that, like, unfortunate situation where he was supposed to be on London, I believe, for the one year of CDL, and then these issues really, like, just kept him out, and um, that kind of derailed the whole season for him. So just, you know, a lot of, a lot of you know, ups and downs for him, but I think, you know, in terms of legacy, he he left a pretty memorable impact, and and especially in terms of you know you you ever have like that that trivia question, or you're just thinking about who who's on the first North European team to win a major tournament in in North America, you're gonna go back to that place team and think about zero. So, uh, wish him the best going forward. He's he's a pretty entertaining guy, um, and you know he he's been on streams with like Zuma and stuff, and pretty funny. So I I think he could have a decent future in content creation if that's what he decides to do, but whatever he decides to do, obviously wishing him the best. And, um, yeah, another one bites the dust, but luckily Clay's still kicking, so uh, feels like everybody around him is, is leaving, but um, that's going to be the next big one, I think. Yeah, Clay's going to outlast Snoopy, which brings me to my next point. Uh, no, I, I mean, it does bring me to my next point after I say congrats to Zero on a great career. Like, to be one of the the first EU players are part of that first team that that is a meaningful thing. Uh, and you know, he should obviously be credited for that and kind of remembered for a pretty great career, obviously falling short of like a world championship, but like that's, that's literally like 99% of call of duty players. And there's nothing to be ashamed about in that. Um, but I, I do want to talk about Snoopy real quick because he's like the only player that's actually been confirmed, I think, in the CDL so far for next season. We we know or we really are pretty certain that, you know, certain players are not going to be moving. They're not going to be um, going to any other team like Shotzi or Dashy or the, the Phase Trio, etc. But I believe Snoopy is like the only confirmed player to be re-signed for next year. And so he'll be back with the Boston Breach in the next season, which could start in 2023. It could be 2024. We have literally no idea. could be a while since we get our next CDL season. Uh, but any thoughts on Snoopy uh, officially coming back for the Boston Breach? Yeah, I, I think it's a move that makes a ton of sense. Um, obviously, without really knowing the contract situation, but... 
um, imagining he signed for the minimum at the end of this year and, and Boston was somehow able to uh, just, you know, re-sign that. If, if that was the case, it was probably a very smart move business-wise for Boston. And he gives him a, a, a young kid a, an opportunity to really uh, showcase what he's capable of. We've got a small glimpse of him at Champs um, and, and what he's potentially capable of. But it, it seems like he's like the next man up in terms of the up-and-coming talent. And um, it's it's pretty scary in terms of like he, he really seemingly came out of nowhere this year. And then like halfway through the season was picked up by Doug Center Martin on the Boston Breach Academy. Next thing you know, he's getting thrown into the fire right away at champs against optics. So um, very quick progression from him through through the challengers pit and whatnot to get the CDL. Um, but now it's going to be important to see uh, if he's able to capitalize on this opportunity and from Boston's standpoint, uh, what they do and who they try to surround him with to try to facilitate and, and grow him as a player. Um, kind of had talking about Clay, but I, I know there had been some rumblings that potentially Clay was talking to Boston and stuff like that. And I think that would be a really smart move for, for both parties. It would, you know, make sense for Boston, try to get a veteran in there to, uh, you know, mold uh, Snoopy and, and, you know, show him the ropes, all that good stuff. And then it's just another young, talented kid around Clayster um, who can, you know, go out there and, and drop huge numbers while Clay's just holding lanes behind him and, you know, getting his trades and stuff like that. So I think it's a move that makes sense on multiple fronts. Um, but obviously we'll have to wait and see exactly what Boston decides to do uh, to round out the rest of its roster. A non-CDL related story, but an important one nonetheless. The Federal Trade Commission, uh, their injunction was denied by a federal judge today, which should kind of grease the wheels for this Microsoft uh, Activision Blizzard acquisition that we talked about, it seems like a year ago now. It seems like a really long time. Um, but a $70 billion deal is is essentially what's on the line here. And it seems that Activision Blizzard will soon be officially acquired by Microsoft, although I did see a report by Bloomberg that the FTC is leaning toward filing an appeal, which could slow down the process yet again. Um, but let's just say for the sake of conversation, because neither one of us are lawyers and we don't know when this will actually be completed and whatnot, um, what do you think the impact would be for Call of Duty and the CDL, or what do you what do you want to happen? I guess because there's so many possibilities. But what do you think happens, or what do you think what uh, would you want to happen if Microsoft does end up buying Activision Blizzard? I mean, yeah, I really am not too informed on this, and I, I really, you know, the business side of this stuff isn't necessarily my forte. But I, I mean, the immediate reaction to me is like you have the 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 two sides of the coin, right? Where like kind of feels like, you know, well, I guess it's three things that could potentially happen is like the most likely scenarios in my mind. Um, the the first is, you know, Microsoft acquires Activision Blizzard and it has no impact on the CDL whatsoever. It just continues on its merry way as it as it is right now. Um, second would be Microsoft acquires Activision Blizzard and, you know, pours in a ton of support for the CDL, ramps things up 100%, and, um, you know, reinvigorates the CDL and, and pushes for it harder, more marketing, all that, yada, yada, and tries to make it more successful. And then the flip side of that is 
Microsoft acquires Activision Blizzard and just kills the CDL, says we want nothing to do with this, and that's the end of it there. And then I guess from there, Call of Duty Esports could rise from the ashes to, uh, you know, be that non-geolocation-based system of franchising or whatever. But um, there, yeah, I, I mean, those are the, those are like the three very bare bones outcomes. I think that you know there there could be multiple other outcomes that branch from like each of those categories but i think those that's like the overarching mindset that i have of like what could potentially happen on a very basic level it feels like there's got to be some change and i'm not saying immediately but if say microsoft was able to officially do this deal by the end of the year i would say within the following year so with by the end of 2024, there's probably some change that happens. And maybe it's not a big one, but it just feels like when you have this massive of a deal and there are some very rich and very interested parties in the CDL, the owners that were, uh, you know, are probably going to get off the hook for most of their franchising fees and probably don't see a ton of profitability as is. What happens then when they go to Microsoft? Or I, I don't know how the, the structure of the organization will be. Is Bobby Kotick going to be there? Because I think he's a, a big reason why the CDL is here in the first place. Because he was able to con all these guys into pouring a bunch of money into something that he knew. Like with any brain, he knew that it was not worth $25 million. Like it's like just logically he knew that. And he did the same thing with the Overwatch League. And that just makes me think that there's got to be some change eventually with the CDL and how they operate. Um, and what whatever happens, I, I'm not sure. I do think that probably the more pressing issues are not even related to the CDL um, directly, but more just so Call of Duty and whatever Activision Blizzard um, like subsidiaries there is, um, like whether they pull like which was it, it was part of the the fight with the federal trade commission was this idea that if microsoft did buy activision blizzard they could just pull call of duty from playstation and be like yeah sorry sony we're gonna put that on xbox and we're gonna put that on windows and you guys are never seeing call of duty ever again because call of duty is a gigantic game and playstation is what you and i play on that's what a lot of like millions of people play call of duty on and obviously that would not be great for Call of Duty in general because that's limiting how people can play. But it would also kind of shore up all of the the financial stuff that I'm sure Microsoft and Activision Blizzard really care about. Um, because Sony's had this kind of exclusivity or early access window with Call of Duty for a while now. Um, since what Black Ops 3 was the first game that was on PlayStation versus Xbox. Um, I think that AW was the last game to be on Xbox and they were on like 360, I think at the very beginning or maybe at the very end of Ghost and then it became uh, whatever the series, I don't even remember, Xbox One. Xbox um, One, yeah. So like uh, obviously... Xbox One, Xbox One was out with Ghost because I know you could have gotten it Ghost for Xbox One and I stayed on 360. Um and then I remember AW was the same thing. I could have gotten it for the one, but I didn't have. I never had a one, so I bought AW uh, for 360, and that like came out of its case like three times. 
Yeah, because you're you're a big fan of AW, right? Yeah. I am not. So I don't know. I don't know how this ends up working out. Um, I hope that like the best case scenario would be that the cross play. I I would honestly be okay with like uh, at least in competitive. I I don't really care about the war zones up, but at least in competitive, I'd be okay with Microsoft just killing PC competitive like as a whole and just being like, we're gonna make this a console exclusive thing like to compete on events uh, compete in events you have to be on xbox or you have to be on playstation that would cut down on so many of the cheaters that are kind of ruining at least like you know the pit is is tainted right now because of a pc cheating um but if we could just have it on xbox and p uh, and playstation that would be perfect at least competitively um i also think about what happens with halo because obviously at one point halo was bigger than call of duty was competitively and microsoft and 343 really bungled that they were literally on usa network at one point for halo and that's like a ridiculous thing to think about um and they've fallen so far that even halo infinite did not kind of lift halo out of the gutter and call of duty is still a bigger esport than halo by i think multitudes still it makes me think what's going to happen about um halo and call of duty obviously two of the biggest fps games of all time under the same umbrella uh but yeah i i like we like i said at the very top i don't think that we're neither one of us are legal experts or um especially like even gaming uh legal business stuff it just um, is my hope that things will not, you know, completely be ruined by this. But there is a considerable concern, and I think it's a, a valid one that Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard is. It could be very bad for kind of the consumer as a whole, just because it's Microsoft is a gigantic company. When you have seventy billion dollars to throw around to buy another gigantic company, you know that you are you're massive and you have a lot of control and hopefully that control is not is uh is okay it doesn't end up ruining it but i think that's something that we should keep an eye on um i don't know if we have anything else to talk about uh we've kind of went over all of the rumors and reports as far as i know maybe i'm forgetting something um we did discuss a lot there was uh you know we kind of obviously jumped around from topic to topic but i think we covered anything anything that you think we did not uh catch no i I think we got everything um especially like we said at the beginning a lot of the stuff that we talked about outside of uh snoopy officially being released and you know like seattle officially releasing its whole or snoopy being signed sorry seattle officially releasing everybody um, zero announcing his retirement. That that stuff's all official. But a lot of the other stuff, optic phase, um, New York's New York subliners, all that stuff is unconfirmed at this point and just rumors. So um, I th- I think we hit everything that's been going around the TL that you know we would usually talk about for the most part. So we should be good on that front. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll be back next week or two weeks or something. Like we want to. You know, not completely go off the grid, but obviously there's not a ton to talk about. Um, We have kind of bantered back and forth about some potential ideas for off-season content uh, as far as topics go. And I think a few of those have legs and we could definitely fill an hour of just, you know, things that, 
you know, we like or dislike, or, you know, obviously if you're listening to this right now and there literally hasn't been any news, uh, in the past like week or two, you probably care what we think or what we feel about competitive COD in some way. So it probably wouldn't be a stretch to think that you guys would listen to us just ranting about pretty random CDL or COD, uh, competitive COD stuff. Uh, so we'll make sure to bring that to you guys in the off season, obviously, especially after, um, after like all, all the roster changes or most of the roster changes are announced, that's when the real dead period will begin because we could get a bunch of roster news in the next you know, month, but then we probably still have like three months until the actual release of the game. And uh, it probably wouldn't be too wise of us to just completely go dark for three months. Um, so we'll make sure to, to keep you guys updated. Um, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. I, I put out an update on the... Uh, on the community tab um, on the 4th of July, just telling people like, Hey, we're not going to be doing a podcast this week because of the holiday. And obviously there's not a ton to talk about. I also tweeted about it. So uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. He's at J bank with two K's. I'm at press buyers. Uh, the podcast Twitter, which we don't really use is at ego job podcast, but you could, you could use it if you want, or if you could, you could follow it if you want. Um, and the YouTube is, is great. Uh, I, I told bank and he already knew this, but, um, we're close to 100 subscribers on our YouTube channel, which is amazing. Uh, where I think we're at 87 as the time at the time that, um, we're recording this. Obviously we had a ton of people listening to our last few podcasts, uh, the audio versions, which is incredible. And we really appreciate all the support that you guys have uh, gave us all season long. Uh, and really all the the last three seasons that we've been covering the CDL. Um, so we really appreciate that. Um, make sure to give us a five-star rating. If you're listening on Apple podcasts, I think we have a few, uh, we had a few reviews over the past few months. Um, that's always nice. Uh, a lot of positive feedback, which is, which is always nice for my fragile ego to, to hear, to hear. Um, but yeah, thank you all for, for listening and, uh, I'll pass it over to Bink now. Yep. I don't got much because like I said, they don't have really much that we know is going to happen or whatever. So thank you guys as always for the support. We'll, we'll see you around whenever the next time we go live is. And, you know, like Preston said, if, um, you want to stay up to tune, uh, up to date with us, and and stay in tune with when we could potentially go live. Uh, Twitter is the best place to do that. So give us a follow over there, and uh, yeah, you can join us for the live show. Or if you guys are listening after the fact, we obviously appreciate that too. And any support you guys have, uh, we're we're very appreciative of it. So thank you guys as always, and remember to send the chat.